lemons in that song. Behold the Lamb of God, the precious Lamb of God, born into sin that I may live again. It's the precious, he's the precious Lamb of God. Then to mention that, even when I broke your heart, my sin tore us apart. But it's standing right here in the midst of my tears, saying you to be the Lamb of God. Uh, so some great words. And I know all of us can relate to that that are believers that, you know, crime because we have sinned against God and knowing we have broken his law and knowing what this is what we deserve from it. But now we can claim that Jesus is the true Lamb of God. We can claim that he's the true Lamb of God. And then we get righteousness from him. And so it's very encouraging seeing that with you all here this morning. If you have a copy of God's word, join with me. We're going to continue our study in Romans. Romans chapter 5, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 5. Again, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. It tells us in God's word, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into his grace, this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope for the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God loves has been poured out, poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Um, let me pray for us and, and let us spend time in working through these tests together. What Paul is teaching us here this morning and what the Lord is teaching us through Paul's writing. Let me pray for us again. Lord God, we come to you at the time of the preaching of your word. Lord, like the song said, behold the lamb. Remind me of John chapter 1, where John the Baptist mentioned that, Behold, they heard a lamb that takes away the sins of the world. Lord, we come to celebrate you this morning. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to help us see your glory this morning. Help me where I'm weak here, Lord. I can proclaim your word in truth. Your word can go forward in power, Lord, that your saints, Lord, are edified this morning. So, Lord, we ask you to help me this morning. Help me, Lord, even in my unbelief. Help me believe these truths and live out these truths. And help those before me, Lord, believe and live out these truths. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to help us with your word this morning. Let it be edifying. Let it be all about your glory here this morning. Let us be enriched, Lord. Understanding, Lord, we have been justified by faith. And, Lord, we get your grace and your peace, Lord, by that. And we can look forward to the coming hope. Lord, in you, help us see that this day, Lord. And let us help us hold on to that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. I remember not too long ago when Alina was pregnant. Well, pregnant with Trinity. She's been pregnant quite a bit, right? Remember when she was pregnant with Trinity. Alina and I was very hopeful for her arrival. One day, Trinity is going to be here. 
We're very hopeful that one day we're going to be able to hold our precious little daughter. I was so excited. Alina was so excited to, to eventually to be able to see her. But before that happened, there's a lot of things took place. Even though we were hopeful for Trinity to get here, Alina still had to go through suffering. Before Trinity arrived, Alina had to go through pain. Alina had to go through labor. The contractions, right? She had to go through all the pain to bring about the daughter, Trinity. And the pain at time was so unbearable. Well, I think a lot of stuff me and we go through probably a little bit harder, but but we can still go ahead and say that it was unbearable for Alina. And um, Kale looking at me like, uh-uh. Labor, something serious in the Kale. There's <laughs> nothing that we go through as a man can compare to what the ladies go through. So the pain of bringing about a baby into this world is something that's so unbearable. They have tried these things to try to give men these things to put on their stomachs to try to get a feel of what does it mean to go through the process of labor. And it still doesn't bring justice, even though you see the guys are in pain and falling on the ground. But the ladies go through cannot be compared to. But at the same time, though, as Alina was going through pain, going through the hurt, she never lost hope and her daughter Trinity. She said, one day my daughter's gonna be here. I'm gonna hold my daughter. Her hope was for Trinity to be here. So regardless of the pain, she saw something better coming down the road. One thing Lenny could have done, she could have been in the moment like selfish, like I don't wanna go through this pain. So I wanna get rid of the hope. I don't care about Trinity. And right now is that I don't care about her and the pain right now is so bad. It's about right now. I want to be able to be comforted. So for Lena could have been said, forget this hope for the baby to come for this baby to be here. I don't want to have to go through this. I think that's very similar to a lot of us. A lot of us don't want to go through the trials. We don't want to suffer. And so we regardless of, we put the hope of the things that have come to the side because we don't want to have to go through the trials that come in this world. We don't want to embrace the pain that comes our way. Pain looked different from all of us in this room. Pain looked different. It can be a boss at work. It can be a father there not for his kids. It can be someone that lost a loved one. It can be many different things that are going on even in a marriage. And a lot of times when these things come our way, we put hope to the side and we at that moment want to be comforted. And so for what we do, we put hope to the side and we put things in our own hands. And we forget what's to come through Christ. I think this relates to our test today. Our trials are many. But they aren't here to encourage us to forget about the coming glory of God. Our trials is not to push us away from God's glory, but to be forgetful of God's glory. Trials 
have their purpose in this life. Trials or have their purpose in this life. It's not to push us away from God's glory, but it pushes to God's glory. So for all of us in this room that are fearing trials, Kale went through something I didn't go through. I went through something that Demar didn't go through. Demar went through something that Jakarta didn't go through. We all have trials in this room, and God allowed trials to be unique, unique for us personally, for us to conform to the image of his son. So all of our trials were different. Because all of us have on, on this journey to be more like Jesus. And certain trials are what God uses to be to make us be more like Jesus. So it's not a mistake when we have trials in our life. It's not a mistake when God allowed trials in our lives. Sin came into this world and God turned sin around and trials around, turned around for our own good. This is going to relate to our test today. We're going to be able to, to be encouraged by Paul here. We heard about the justification now in the last couple of weeks. I've been justified. We get so many things in God. So point number one is going to be, remember that we have been justified. One A. Point two, justification gives us peace and grace. One B and two A. And the last point is going to be, justification promise us God's glory to come. Two B to five. So jump point number one. Remember that we have been justified by faith. Whenever you see in the scripture the word therefore, look in verse 1. You see verse 1? Therefore. Whenever somebody put therefore in there, that means you need to ask a question, why is it there? We didn't know what was talked about in the previous verses. Paul explains something, some things in, in Romans 4. That will relate to chapter 5. In Romans 4, you guys remember, Paul explained to us that the promise of Jesus coming to be our true king and us being his people is God's grace through faith. That Abraham was saved by this as well. That he believed God and that he obeyed God and believed, he obeyed God because he knew he couldn't depend upon himself. So Abraham didn't waver in his faith. But he truly trusted God even when things were difficult for him. And he was justified by Christ. Not him of him, not because of what he has done, but because of what Christ has done. And my, not only Abraham, we ended up last week, not only Abraham get this grid, but for all of us that are faith, we get the same thing Abraham gets. We get justification. We are made right before the judge. If God is the ultimate judge, we are made right and God declares to us to be not guilty. So Paul tells us this at the end of chapter 4. Fully convinced in verse 21 that God was able to do what he had promised. That, it, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Talking about Abraham. But the words, it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It was to be counted to us who believe in him, who raised him from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. 
The people of faith today get the same benefits that Abraham gets since we are all believing in the one who was raised from the dead. Amen. So Paul mentioned in our text today that we have been justified again. That we have been made right with God. And by being made right with God it has effects in the present now. That when we fall short daily, it doesn't take us away from being justified. That we will always be justified before God. The judge will never come to us and say guilty. Amen, amen. We will forever be not guilty. That we are justified forever. Forever, ever, ever. Forever, ever. Who said that? That was little John, but he saw it. Forever, ever. Forever, y'all. We are justified forever. The judge would not come back and say, I did say you was not guilty, but now I'm going to make you guilty. Not the judge in heaven, because our righteousness before God is based upon his son, and his son is forever righteous, so we are declared to be righteous forevermore. So family, remember that we're made right because God took our place. The ultimate judge has pronounced that for us to be not guilty because someone else has took our place. By being justified, we get all the benefits in this. All the benefits we get in being justified, we get them from Christ. So what we're going to do with the last two points, two and three, we're going to learn about these two things here on justification. I'm about getting justified, some benefits of being justified. So look at point number two. Justification gives us peace and grace. Everybody say peace and grace. Peace, peace and, and grace. grace. It tells us the rest of verse one. We have been, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Since we have been justified, in Christ, we have peace with God. This peace now is no more beefing. No more beefing. No more point and say that's the ops, right? There's no more beefing here. No more enemies to him, a God, to God. By being made peace, by we having peace with God, is that now all fighting have ceased. Our rebellion towards him, our fighting against him has ceased. The war has ceased between him and these people that he have called to himself. When we're covering our sins, when we're covering our sins, we were at war against God. We wasn't friends. But we wanted to rule over him. But now we have peace. Let me out my man, I didn't want to rule over God. I don't want to rule over God. That's crazy. I never want to rule over God. Anytime you chose things contrary to God's word, if it's lust, if it's anger, anything we chose, at that moment, we declare war against God. We're telling God is that I'm going to get what you're telling that I can't have. If, if I want this, if I want to do this, I'm willing to go at war against you, God, to get what I'm going to get. 
So family, at that moment, when we were fighting against God, when we were dead in our sins, family, we didn't have peace with God. We was at war against him. And we was convincing ourselves that at the end of the day, we're going to win over God because we felt like we were God. That's the same thing with Adam and Eve in the garden. They ate upon the tree so they can be as God. They, they didn't want to just be, in a sense, of equal to God. They, they wanted to rule over God. They didn't want God to tell them what they could and could not do. So it was war right there. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, war came into this world. But even for that with Satan, rebellion against him, war was happening. There was no peace in any of that. So family, but now, by us being justified in Christ now, Demiah, by us being made right with God, we're no more enemies, family. We're no more enemies. Now we're called friends. And this peace, Jaquela, is transformative. How God gives us peace, now we get to live out that peace with one another. This reminds me of Paul and many other verses in 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brother, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Since God has given us peace, family, we have peace with each other. We're not each other's enemy. We're not trying to one-up each other. Well, Greg can preach better than me, or Greg feel like he can do this, or Zoe think he can do this. Family, we're not at war with each other. Family, we are united in Christ. As Christ has united us within himself, we are united together in Christ. Amen. So as we've been justified, the gospel message from Romans 1, not being ashamed of the gospel, this is part of that message of the gospel that we have been made right with God, and we have peace with God, and we have peace with one another. So family, we're not each other's enemies. If we see each other's enemy in the room, family, we haven't saw and we haven't tasted the peace in heaven. There's no way you can see the peace of God and still be an enemy to your brother and your sister. 1 Peter 3, 8 through 12. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Verse 10. Whoever desires to, to, to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good and let him see peace and pursue it. Seek peace. Not turn to evil for evil. Seek peace. Seek peace. And what do we do in this family? We celebrate this. We rejoice in this. We rejoice in seeking peace. Because God has sought peace. And when Jesus has sought peace, and Jesus pursued it. Some of you guys are quiet and might not still understand. What about Philippians 4, 6, 7? We talked about this earlier, didn't we? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God in the peace, peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. 
family, the peace of God. So family, we don't have to be anxious. We're not a war God. We don't have to worry about what tomorrow may bring. We don't have to be afraid of tomorrow. But in everything, prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, making requests known to God, we can seek God and pray and trust him because we have peace with him. And having peace, we can understand everything around us is submitted to Christ. And by understanding that God is the king of all things, family, he will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. So, family, as the biblical church of Christ within the church, family, we gotta have peace. We gotta have peace in this in this building. We got to, family. We just can't be words every Sunday. We can't, can't preach a message like this and always trying to find somebody or something. Love don't think evil of another. We should give each other peace because God has given us peace. What Jacob, what we, what I have done to you and what you have done to me doesn't compare to what we have done to God. And what we have done to God, God, we deserve God to pour his ultimate wrath out on us. And instead he gives us peace. <laughs> and how dare we now, now we in the position when somebody made me mad, now the peace that God gave us went out the window. We throw it out the window now, but the God throw that piece out the window with you? And I'm not talking about gun pieces out the window. Greg and Zoe, y'all talking about that. But I'm talking about the peace that God gives us. God doesn't give that peace away. That peace is with us forever because we've been justified in Christ. So family, if God doesn't, it doesn't throw this peace away, we shouldn't throw this peace away. We should live in this peace every day. And family, it must start at home. Husband and wives. F uh, father and mother and their kids. Friends at work. Family, we must be a discipline this peace before all of us around us. Let the Lord fight your battles. You ain't got to fight everything. The Lord is going to figure out what's really going on behind the scenes. A lot of times, and I'm nosy. I'm nosy. I ain't the nosy one in here, but somebody else will be nosy than me. But... At the end of the day, a lot of times we get nosy trying to figure things out because for us, we're not content in God. That we have to do these certain things. We're anxious. We don't have to be anxious. We can live a life of peace and prayer knowing the Lord go before us. So family, since the Lord gave us peace, Paul and Peter encouraged us to live out this peace with one another. We won't cherish our peace with one another if we don't cherish our peace with Jesus. But not only we get, not only, not only did we get peace from Jesus. Look at verse two from the justification. Paul is reminding them of the gospel, not being ashamed of the gospel. That's why Paul is not ashamed of the gospel. Because God had brought him peace, but also look what verse two we get. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Family, we get grace. Not only get people, get God's grace. But God justified and gives us grace. The benefit of our faith in Christ is that we get God's grace. One person described grace in our context this way. The undeserved blessings of justification. We don't, we don't deserve to be made right with God. That's God's grace that we get justification. 
We get God's grace in which we don't deserve it. God is gracious. That is why we get justification. We're made right because he's good to us. Amen. He's kind to us. Warren Source, I think Crossway, just lists so many verses, talks about how the benefits of God's grace. Listen to this, Demaya and Trey J. Listen to this. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not of results of works, so that no one may boast. It goes on, Crossway goes on to describe the verse in this way. By grace refers to God's favor upon those who have transgressed his law and sinned against him. But grace may also be understood as a power in those, in those verses. God's grace not only offers salvation, but also it secures it for us. But not only Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ. Then I am content with weaknesses and so hardship, persecution and calamity. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Crossway goes on to describe it this way. My grace is sufficient. Paul said that God's grace is sufficient in the present tense, underscoring the ever-present availability and sufficiency of God's grace. For Paul and for every believer, regardless of how critical one circumstances may be, my power is made perfect in your weakness. That's, a, that's the, the benefit of being in Christ, that we get grace. We have attained asset by this faith he has given us there's grace that comes from him. James 4 to 6. But he gives us more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Crossway goes on to say it about this one. God's grace will be extended to those who are humble before him. God opposes the mean he resists and sends and sends judgment for the proud having chosen the praise and method of the world and are acting as God's enemy. They have chosen. So family, we get grace over and over. The last one I'm going to mention here, Romans 6, 14. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. grace. Sin, will not have, sin will not have dominion over you. Crossway goes on and says, this is not a command, but a promise that sin would not triumph in the lives of the Christian. Because they live in the new era of fulfillment. They are no longer under the old era of, um, of redemptive history. That is, they are no longer under the law where the Mosaic law and the sin ruled over God's people. By contrast, under grace means living under the new covenant in Christ and ever characterized by grace. We're under grace. So God has given us grace. You have been justified, made right. You have been given peace. Now you've also been given grace. And had you been given grace, now be appreciative of that grace. Live out that grace within the body of Christ. Yes, he stepped on your shoes. She stepped on your shoes. Yes, uh, they didn't give you a pat on the back when you made this accomplishment. 
Many of the things you can remember that they have done to you, but look what we have done to Jesus. And Jesus has given us grace. And so, family, we must be also first to better give grace to one another. Kids in here. I know my kids and the piss kids. Y'all siblings that love each other. Kids, look up, look up, look up, kids. You should be able to give each other grace because God has given his people grace. So you should be able to be kind to your brother and sister. Not always trying to one-up on them. Not always trying to bully on them. May I go back, go back to sleep, y'all? But since the Lord gives us grace, we also should walk in that grace before others. We are given the grace which we don't deserve. We must not lay it to the wayside, but walk in that grace. But the root of our grace should be rooted in God's grace. His grace is where we stand. Again, not by works of righteousness, but by his grace. We stand on his grace. We stand in his grace. So we get in Christ. We get grace. And family, that's a mark of a, a believer. We are gracious people. We are people of grace. Since you're having a bad day, let me make everybody else have a bad day. That's not grace. Grace is that, yeah, my day went bad. But I'm going to be kind to others around me. I'm going to build those up around me. But we're going to do what Christ has called us to do. Because he was gracious towards us. And the last thing, point number three, point number three, get y'all to y'all chitlins and greens and turkeys. Just in home mode. Justification promise of God's glory to come. Everybody say God's glory to come. God's glory to come. Because God's peace and grace, we get to look forward to something greater. God's grace and peace is taking us somewhere. Grace and peace is taking us somewhere, y'all. Like you call an Uber driver up. And you put on the address where you want to go. The Uber driver takes you where you need to go. Grace and peace is the vehicles that's going to take us to what's to come. So we see two things in here. Justification promises God's glory to come. Two things. See, the first thing we're going to see, Mr. Rod, is that we look for it. We look forward to seeing God's glory. You hear that, Mr. Rock? We look forward to seeing God's glory. Amen. And we rejoice in hope of, of the glory of God. This rejoice is like this celebration. This celebration, as you win five, me, Kareem, and Jacob winning five basketball games in a row, we beating our chest and, and celebrating. Did that happen for real? We're celebrating this victory. Or you celebrate now of getting your your uh, your the, your undergraduate degree, your accomplishment in life, getting a promotion at work, like Demaya, all that money she got, like uh, Shaquille, you celebrating her passing the class, you celebrating, you rejoicing. That's what it's talking about in this test. Is that they're rejoicing, they're celebrating, and what? Expecting on something to come. There's something to come is the word hope. One person defined hope is defined hope is this 
a feeling or expectation, a desire for a certain thing to happen. The feeling of expectation that Paul is referring to is God's glory. It's God's glory. So Paul is rooting all this in right here that grace and peace we get and they're going to point us to God's glory. Grace and peace point us to God's glory. We rejoice in the hope of God's glory because of the justification we get. We're made right with God because of peace, but also God has given us his grace and it's going to point us to God's glory. Let's pause just a second about God's glory. Let's pause for a second about God's glory. Sam Storms has done a great job in his attributes of God's book. He helps us think about God's glory. Listen to this. What is the preeminent passion in God's heart? What's in God's preeminent heart? God's heart. What is God's greatest pleasure, Jacayla? How does the happiness of God manifest itself? If you want to see God's happy, what does that look like, Trey J? What is God's supreme delight is? One of my delights is red velvet cake. Love red velvet cake. Another of my delight is um, I love some oatmeal pies. I like to hide it from the kids. I have so many other delights that I enjoy. What does God ultimately like? Not what you like, Zoe, or Rod, or Jacob. I'm not asking what y'all like. But what does God ultimately like? He goes on to say, I want to suggest that the preeminent passion in God's heart is his own glory. What do God want? He wants his own glory. God is preeminently committed to the fame of his own name. God is himself the end for which God created the world. Listen to this. God is himself the end of which God created the world. Why did God create the world? For himself. For himself? That's about us, isn't it? It's all about us. It's about God's glory. We always try to make everything about us, don't we? It's about God's glory. So God is himself the end of which God created the world. Better still, he goes on to say, God's immediate goal and all he does is his own glory. You've been saved, praise the Lord. I mean, you got, you know, crossover, you got a new job. Praise the Lord, you got your new job. Praise the Lord, you got all them things. But God's ultimate, God ultimate goal is his own glory. It's not about you, Jacob. Not about you, Daisy. It's about God's own glory. God's glory has always been the ultimate goal in all creation. That was the purpose of Adam and Eve being created. That's the purpose of why we are created. What's for God's glory? We were created to see God's glory. That's why we existed. The way you ask the purpose of that, I want to find out my purpose. You hear this? When somebody graduated high school, college, whatever. And they said, well, what's your purpose in life? And everybody said, well, my purpose to be this medical doctor. My purpose to be this lawyer. My purpose to be this certain things. That's not the true purpose. The purpose in the life is the same purpose all of us have in life. The ultimate purpose of our existence is to be able to glorify God. And Adam and Eve, they had that purpose, to glorify God. 
they turned around and said, no, God, instead of glorifying you, I want you to glorify me. And for all of us in this room, we turn from the creator to worship ourselves. I want you to pat me on my back, Shaquille. Joe, I want to be patted on the back for what I've done. Because I want everybody to see me. Y'all know how some people are just a center of attention. They come in the room, they want to make everything about themselves. Everything they do is about themselves. Family, that's us. That's all of us. At some point forward in our life, all of us in this room want to make things about ourselves. We want to show everybody our accomplishments. We want to one-up everybody. That comes from the fall. That comes from now, we wanted the glory and not God. But now, in faith, by being justified in Christ now, we are a new creation. We are new creatures. Talks about this, as I think, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I believe. We are a new creature in Christ. But now, we don't seek our own glory. Now, we go back to what Adam and Eve was created for. Now, we are the new people of God. Now, we do everything for God's glory. Amen. So, we rejoice in God's glory forever. This is the true heart of a converted person. They do everything with God's glory in mind. We are hopeful to the expecting of his glory to readiness our hearts forever. We look forward to him. We are hopeful for it. Just like Elena was hopeful for this baby to come. To hold that baby, to embrace that baby. Family, our hope should be God's glory. And our hope being God's glory to be able to be ready in our hearts forever. Family, that's our purpose. How will we, how will we fulfill our purpose in this life? By Christ justifying us, making him one in himself. And by his spirit given to us, he makes us right. He makes us glorify him. And now by being believers, we want to do it. You can't be a believer, you don't want to glorify him. So we rejoice. We celebrate that one day, one day it's going to come and it's not going to be about me anymore. It's going to be about his glory forever, ever, 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 ever. So what are we doing? We are expecting, like the baby again, we are looking forward to one day everything be about Jesus. That's what Paul is getting at. A part of this is not ashamed of the gospel. This is why he's not ashamed of the gospel. Because Paul is looking forward to the hope that come, that one day we will not have to look to sin anymore. We can see God's glory for eternity forever. So family, are you looking for that? Are you looking for God's glory? Or are you looking for attention in this world? For those that are single in this room, don't be enticed by people that have been married in this room. Don't be enticed like you're a secondary citizen or that you don't have something here. Look to God's glory. Look what's to come in God's glory, even in the midst of singleness. You still can be able to see that fulfillment, that, that purpose fulfilled in your life, how you're honoring God, how you're sustaining from ungodliness. Married couples. You can live for God's glory. You can look forward to it. Even in marriage, in your marriage. How you learn how to die to self every single day and not making everything about you. So singleness and marriage. We get the hope for what to come. And family, when we see God's glory at the ultimate goal, we don't care who backstab us. We're not so quick offended to try to uh, to try to uh, uh, vindicate our name. 
If it's all about God's glory, he's going to get the glory. And so we don't have to put things in our own hands. Once we get our mind and our eyes focused on God's glory, family, a lot of our problems in life that we spend so much time on, it will mean nothing to us. We won't be taken away from all these certain things. Our mind will be fixed on God's glory. And the last part is in point three is Greg kind of blinking a couple times when we got some of his eyes, we're going to sleep. We have the spirit in us. So how is this going to happen? God gives us his spirit. We have the spirit in us so trials can't get the best of you. Look at verse three, y'all. This is good. This is good, verse three. Verse three. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. What in the world is this? You tell him if I have a car wreck, we're going to rejoice. I didn't, I mean, hey, I didn't write this scripture, y'all. I'm not God. I'm not Paul. Don't, don't get mad at me. Look what the scripture said in verse 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. We celebrate in our sufferings. Suffering can be definite as the state of undergoing pain, distress, and hardship, one say. Another word for suffering is afflictions. So we celebrate in our suffering or afflictions. It doesn't say that, it doesn't say just losing a job or a loved one. It says sufferings. We can't categorize the suffering, right? Okay, I can get mad when I feel like I want to get mad on these type of sufferings. It doesn't say that. It doesn't pick and choose what suffering we can get mad over and not get mad over. But it says right here, we rejoice in our sufferings. Our sufferings, that means all of your trials in your life right now. All of the ups and downs of your life right now, we rejoice in them. And all the suffering. And all the difficult things that come our way, we celebrate. We celebrate during hard times. We rejoice in hard times. Not just because we won a basketball game. When things get hard at work and you want to cry, we rejoice. Not that we celebrate the trial, but we celebrate what the Lord is doing through that moment. And this is the reason why the rest of this verse. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. God is doing something good in us while we are going through difficult times in front of us. Difficult moments prove that God knows what's best for us. That God knows what area in our lives that isn't trusting him. So what does suffering do? Suffering helps us in our endurance. Everybody say with me. Suffering helps in our endurance. Suffering helps in our endurance. My kids, I would have them run four miles. Four miles, they would run four miles. Job four miles. Even though it's not a race for them that at their age for four miles. They, run, they race. When they go to a race, they're not running four miles in a race. But why did I make them train for four miles? Suffering helping with endurance. So when they run two miles, they can run two miles easily now, can't they? Because they already ran four. They trained with four. They can run two miles easily. Because suffering in the four miles created endurance into perseverance. Think about somebody getting a flu. And they suffer, their body is getting stronger, their immunity system eventually gets stronger. Now, when that strain of flu comes back, it cannot take over the body anymore. When a boxer takes a lot of punches, you know, 
I remember one boy, one guy, when I told him up one time, y'all, 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 who I told him up? Y'all believe that? Y'all believe that? Y'all don't believe that? Okay. But listen to this. When a boxer takes a lot of punches, it creates a tolerance level. It creates a tolerance level, which is endurance. Now, as they go box again, now they have went through a lot with another boxer. Now they can last longer with another one. It's endurance. Again, suffering creates endurance. How many of y'all struggle with suffering? We all do. But God used it for our good. God is creating something in us. God uses suffering to create endurance. But he also uses endurance to create character. Endurance to create character. You want to be more like Jesus? Suffer. Endure. That's going to bring about character. One person described character as active sense as proving over time. Character is a person that's been proven over time. A trial. A provenness. Tried character. Character is a person, again, is proven through trial. You want to have nice character? You got to prove that you've been proven over time. How do I know Zoe got good character? I've been around him. I've been around him. I've been peeping him out. I've been, I've been peeping him out for a while. Rod, I've been peeping out Rod for a while. And over time, it'll show you if a person is approved or not approved. But it tells us right here in this text that for those who suffer, over time endures, God is producing character in them. It just ain't a good talk. Y'all you know people that talk a really, really good story a lot. They say a lot of good things. That's not what they're saying here. Not just talking a good game. Over time, your life should show your character. As you suffer, it's going to prove what you really believe in. Do you truly believe in Jesus? When trials get hard, or do you cut somebody out? When trials get hard, do you start complaining? Well, this happened to me, this happened to me, but this did this. Do you see yourself complaining so much during trials? If so, it's proven right now that you're not enduring. It's showing your character in that moment. They have suffered and never gave up. They endure when things got hard. They don't go to work cussing anybody out. They don't fight anyone. But when things got hard, when suffering and fishing come their way, they trust the Lord. They didn't give in to any type of ungodliness. This person is proven. So Paul turns around and says, rejoice. Example. If we knew a nuclear bomb was sitting in Walmart parking lot, we wouldn't ask a high school student to go move into a government facility, would we? Let me call my high school homeboy. Hey, you know, hey, can you go move this nuclear bomb out of Walmart parking lot? We wouldn't say that, would we? No. No, we would get someone that's proving themselves with the right credentials to do it. Even at our at your job, having proven you myself, I have to prove myself with certain responsibilities. You think about Demiah's job. They're just not going to just put somebody in their role. Well, Christy, you want to take my place today? Demiah said, I'm going to stay at home today. I'm going to paint my nails. And Christy, go to work for me today. No. 
Chrissy haven't proven herself that she can actually do the job. But family, once you are proven, it points to hope. Suffering and still trusting in Jesus through your pain, let the world know what kind of person you are. Because character produces something as well. It produces hope. We mess up so many opportunities, family, of the gospel when we have to go through trials. We find ourselves complaining more through trials than allowing people to be pointed to Jesus. When we suffer through trials, people should be able to see how we get through it. They can sure be able to see our minds on Jesus. Again, character produces hope. This is how we have our eyes, our, our eyes fixed on upon the being Christ, with Christ forever. When we make it through trials, when our character is looking more like Jesus, then we look back at everything knowing that this world is temporary, but the life in Jesus is forever. Proving character knows it's something better to come. There are hope for being with Jesus forever. If a person is going through bullying at work, as they endure through it, by not retaliating against them, but learning how to deal with that person in a God-honoring way, this creates character. But now this worker has proven that they aren't going to retaliate against the person. Then if they, do, if they go through all this again with that person, they are being hopeful to what may come. Did y'all see this past week of that Patriot? fan. Did y'all see that happen? The Patriots fan, the Raiders fan was in his face. A guy had a Patriots shirt on, the Raiders fan. It was a lady all in his face talking so bad about him. He's going around the circle yelling at him and screaming at him. And a guy just sat there the whole time. And she was all in his face like her nose over touching his nose. She was just fussing. We could just, just talking bad about him by this team. He just stood there the whole time. But a video went viral and the owner, Krauss, of the Patriots, he saw the video, he flew the young man in, and yesterday at the game, the guy got a chance to sit in the box with the owner of the Patriots. The guy endured the suffering of those bad things that came his way. And next thing you know, you get a phone call to go sit with the owner of the New England Patriots. I thought we get something better though, than sitting at the New England Patriots. Well, Man. besides God and then New England Patriots, right? But, we get something better, y'all. As we endure through those hard times, God is producing something in us. But how do we get through those hard times? We're looking at what's to come. This moment right here don't compare to eternity. This moment right here to go off on my spouse. This moment right here to say something ungodly. This moment right here doesn't compare to the hope to come. To God's glory, it doesn't compare. So us as Christians, we're now hopeful that we can make in this world because we've been through trials and our Lord has brought us out to conform us more to Jesus. How do we know this is a guarantee, Deja? Verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given, has, who has been given to us. Because the third person in the Trinity has been given to us. The reason why, again, we can be hopeful is that we have Christ's spirit in us. He gave it to us. As A.W. Pink says, 
It is one of the spirit's greatest works to sustain the soul by expectation of the things to come. The spirit promises God's glory. The spirit tastes there. That we get heaven because the spirit is here to take us to it. The spirit is the one that keeps us doing suffering. He makes us endure. He, care, he, he creates character in us. He makes us hopeful. We become people of God to be, to be created by good works because of God's spirit. Joel Beacon says this, the chain of blessing through tribulations, which is trouble, patience, misses endurance, experience, the results of being proven, having stood the test, and the back to hope. We glory in tribulation because they serve ultimately to strengthen that hope in which we glory. Let me read that again, y'all kind of looking Google out. The chain of blessings through tribulations, patience, experience, and then back to hope. We glory in tribulations because they serve ultimately to strengthen that hope in which we glory. So family, we are blessed people. Paul is wanting the Roman church to remember the gospel and what comes with the gospel. Because if we remember the gospel, you will endure when trials get hard in the life of the Christian. When things doesn't go well for us, we endure in the life of the Christian. This is not the Joe Austin in the sense of Christianity that God is just going to give us blessing after blessing after blessing and blessing, material blessings, and then things get hard. It's the opposite of that. When you say you believe in Jesus, family get hard because we can't do the things the flesh want to do. Because the flesh want to go off on somebody. The flesh want to stand his ground. But family, it's hard in the life of the Christian. We must suffer for Christ's name's sake. So family, this must be us. Because that you all become the Roman church with endurance, character, and hopeful would not be put to shame. That we would not be put to shame. For those that are in Christ that are hopeful in the character family, we would not be put to shame. Because Jesus took our shame on the cross for us. For those that are in Christ, it's not a shame because somebody trying to embarrass you and saying bad things about you. Family, you one of God's children. You're one of God's children. Family, you have everything in Christ. You don't have to try to defend and try to do these things. So my question for us at Christ Redeeming Church, what if we became this church, y'all? A people that suffers and their character has been produced. Endurance. Hopeful people. What if we become this people that's not so quickly offended not so quickly to find something out on somebody, but of people that are long-suffering one another. What if we became that church? Family, unrighteousness cannot live in here. It'll find somewhere else to go. It cannot stay in here. A church that is long-suffering and ready to endure, a people that are looking to Jesus, family, no one can divide us. No one can come in and divide us in this church. We get divided when we the egos come in. We get divided when we make things about ourselves. But family, we make this about Jesus. We see the unity of the body in Christ.
So Paul's not ashamed. He's telling them he's not ashamed of the gospel because he knows what the gospel gives. Three applications. How do you respond when you don't get your way in life? You put it in your phone. <laughs> Answer that question in your phone or in your mind or however you want to do it. How do you respond when you don't get your way in life? Do you mess a mess, make a mess of it? Do you start pouting? Do you make everybody around you miserable when things doesn't go your way? Every time we respond in a not God-honoring way, we're not conforming to Christ and being more like Christ. We're being more like Adam and Eve who wanted their own glory. Again, when things doesn't go our way in life, counting as a blessing, we rejoice. Because God knows what we need. He knows what you need, Jacob. He knows exactly what you need. And Tom, you don't know what you need. But he knows what you need. And sometimes you don't get those things that you want. He gives you something else. Because he knows how to conform to the image of the son. Elena, we don't have to fight everyone. Point number two right here. We're a people of peace and grace. Because God has given us peace and grace, we go give it to each other. We are generous to others regardless of how they would treat us. We're generous to others around us. We're generous. We're kind to others around us. Number three, last one. Remember, since we have been justified with Christ, we get so many blessings. We get justification, sanctification, redemption, peace, grace, faith, character, endurance, hope. And the list goes on. Let us see that we have everything in Christ. We don't have to give in to the flesh. We have everything in Christ. So let us be hopeful people. Let us be thankful for the gospel and not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ given to us. And let us be a unified body of Christ that the many people in our community are coming to Jesus and they can see how we love one another. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. We know Mark is up. That's good, so.